Welcome to Culture Bites, where we take culture theory and turn it into everyday insights. We're powered by Human Synergistics, and our mission is to change the world one organization at a time. We can only do that together with our amazing community, so thank you for listening. Welcome to Culture Bites. My name's Dominic Gawley. I'm a consultant with Human Synergistics Australia, and I'm joined on the show this week by our head of consulting, Corinne Cantor. Hey, Corinne. Hey, Dom. How are you? I'm very well. This week, we're talking communication. So we're doing a series on the different causal factors. What shapes culture to be the way it is, to send the expectations to people that they receive through the way we do things. And this set of causal factors around how do we communicate in the organization up, down, and then one called communication for learning, which we'll discuss a bit. But what I'd love, Corinne, the the emphasis of these episodes is really, you know, for someone who's just got their culture results, this is maybe an area for them to work on. What does it mean? What are some things they should be thinking about and doing? So if we kind of start from the top, What's the communication causal factors all about? How do they maybe shape culture? Yeah. Communication causal factors all about, I think, creating shared meaning and building trust mm. ultimately. Yeah. You know, and the shared meanings around clarity. Who are we? What are we here for? How do we do what we do? How do we do it together? How do we do it together? Where should you put your effort? And it's in the carrying out of communication that trust is either destroyed or built. Mm. Okay, now there are three different aspects to communication that's measured in our culture survey and the first two relate to kind of vertical up and down. So downward communication is communication coming from leadership down to employees Mm -hmm. and upward is vice versa, employees. Now, I think... What we're measuring when we're looking at downward communication are things like, is what the leaders are saying credible? Have I got the whole picture? Mm. Or is it a bit sketchy? Mm. Doesn't add up? Mm. Is it consistent? Is it clear? Is it straight from the source or has it passed through many hands? Mm -hmm. Is it timely? So we're looking at all these aspects which helped to big up a picture of credibility yep. and believability. Because mm. I always think if you flipped all of those things you just said, so yeah. it's not straight from the source, it's not timely. It's, it's sketchy, it's sketchy, not credible. Yeah, I feel like I can trust it. Like, yeah. What are the messages you're getting? Yeah, so I don't. So if it's all about credibility, integrity, and trustworthiness. Mm-hmm. I think that communicate apart from also about clarity, mm-hmm. is it accurate? Right. You know, so I think that's downward communication. And if you've got to think about leaders, you know, we talk about how leaders shape culture. One of the ways that they shape culture is through communication. Yep. And through that downward communication, what are we communicating? What are we saying? Where is that coming from? Do we communicate to apportion blame or do we communicate to help people learn? Do we Mm. communicate to clarify? direction and to help people understand the why and the purpose or do we communicate just to tell people what to do? Right. And so just the decision. Or, just the decision. Yep. So I think that's downward communication, so super important. And Don, we might talk about upward and then talk about how do you improve it. So I think 
there's a lot of the questioning that's around credibility and trustworthiness as well as clarity and accuracy. And then for communication up, it's really, I guess, kind of a test of how safe do people feel? You know, do they volunteer information Mm. versus only being giving it to you when when you're forced or Mm. when you're you're asked? Mm. Is it accepted? Is it understood? And one of the things that I think is really interesting, I've been working with an organization that's in a high, in the midst of change, so high change in the organization. And they've just been through, one part of the organization's just been through a significant amount of change. It's been implemented and they're now just in the the after. (laughs) So the Uh things have been implemented. People have left who are going to leave and now they're in the after space. And one of the things that they've said, kept saying was, we don't, we have to improve our communication, we have to improve. And I say, okay, well, what do you mean and what's the evidence of it? So they were saying that the evidence of it was that people weren't really getting sort of the why and they weren't doing what they were expected. Mm. But in my view, that wasn't about giving people more information Mm. having more town halls to mm. emphasize the same information. Mm. It was about needing to create meaning, you know, to help mm. people understand, to help we needed to understand what was happening for them versus communicating as a broadcast. So commu- upward communication is checking that been received. it's been received mm. and it's been accepted mm. and that it's been understood. Mm. And also the degree to which people feel that they can say what needs to be said versus just what you want to hear. Okay, this is why I say upwards kind of a test of how credible, how psychologically safe the culture feels. That's what I was about to say. It's a nice little litmus test for, you know, safety. Is it honest and complete or is it filtered and distorted? Is it whatever needs to be said or only what they want to hear, provided voluntarily or only when demanded? Forthright or censored, you know, like yeah. that's a pretty good litmus test for how are people, how safe are people feeling yeah. that they can actually speak up and say what needs to be said. Yeah. And I think kind of one begets the other, doesn't it? So you, the quality of your downward communication, uh, what you say as a leader, how you say it, to what extent do you engage versus just a one-way uh, broadcast, all of these go towards building the relationship. So I think... The important thing about communication downward is not to think about it as a transmission of information. Really, it's not just about communicating. It's about creating shared understanding Mm. and it's about developing trust. Mm. And I think sometimes organizations and leaders can miss that. So they do all the motions. They send out a newsletter. They do the town hall. There's a lot of town halls I've seen, you know, working with one organization at the moment. They do the town hall. They have the forums, mm. but it's one way. Yep. And even there's no small group discussion around what people have heard. It's just three hours of a series of people coming to talk at them. Mm. Now, that doesn't build the relationship. It gives them a lot of information but it doesn't allow them to question. It doesn't ask them to be curious. It doesn't allow them to engage. It's very formal. And very formal. And so what happens is the real conversation happens when they leave the forum. Mm -hmm. 
because that's when they can ask questions. Right, and they to each other. To each other. Mm. Yeah. Yeah, well, that, that's one I always joke about. There's a question, uh, is it through formal channels or through the grapevine? And everything's through the grapevine. <laughs> you know, like, I always think if there's a void of information, yeah, something will fill that void. Yeah. And it's it's the grapevine or the rumor mill. Yeah. And in my experience, the rumor mill, you know, is it either the positive or negative? Yeah. Like in my experience, it's always the negative. It's always the worst case yep. scenario. You know, hey, we're yep. doing this talk of a restructure or something. Oh my God, it's the end of the world. You know, I've yep. never heard the rumor mill be like, you know what? I think it's all going to be all right. Yeah. <laughs> like that's never, never happened. So, you know, like don't, don't have that void of information where like, hey, we know something's going on and you're not telling us because we're going to fill it. <laughs> it was interesting. I had an interesting example of that that was an international one. So as an organization, the Australian part of the organization was going through a restructure and everybody knew this was happening. It's the world's worst secret, but the organization wasn't communicating or confirming anything. Uh. Anyway, the people in Australia had contacts in Europe right. who did know what was going on. Oh, really? So what happened? They knew. They knew. Yep. And so they got the information through the grapevine now, not all of it was correct, but that was a real lesson and insight into don't leave it to chance. Yeah. You know, get on the front foot and communicate and be as honest as you can be because in this day and age, it's very easy to find things out. Yeah, particularly where, you know, I've worked in international companies before and, you know, it spreads like wildfire around the globe. And so, like, and look, it's tough because it's like, well, we're going to, you know, each country will make the announcement and, you know, their business hours, but it's too late, <laughs> especially <laughs> for gone. New Zealand and Australia. They never time it for our time zone, let's be honest, you know. Yeah, so everybody finds out. Yeah. So I think there's a real – so how it shapes culture is around this idea of credibility and trustworthiness and the integrity mm. and, you know, never mind the accuracy and the clarity. It's, it's mm. kind of integrity and trust. Integrity is a big one, I think. A big one. And so it's very important, the communication from leadership to employees. And I think some of that needs to be formal, but it has to be a mix of informal and, you know, formal communications that have a function and a purpose, but other communication that's really about listening and building the relationship. I, I love that you landed on that point. Because, yes, I think a lot of people tackle it by, okay, we need a town hall and a CEO forum and, and a newsletter. And that stuff's awesome. It's wonderful. So I'm not knocking that at all. But they overlook maybe simpler things like management by walking around. Yeah. Like, hey, every, you know, whatever the frequency is, I'm just going to walk the floor. You know, I'm a senior leader or something. I'm going to walk the floor, I'm going to engage in conversations, you know, of a fairly informal nature. Because you can communicate up. It gives people a chance to communicate up for yes, a starter directly yes. to you because especially if I'm two or three levels below you, I'm probably not going to pull by your office or send you an email because I don't feel like I can. But if you're kind of engaging with our team and talking to us, you know, either in that moment or at a later moment because you've built the relationship, it opens that channel. So things like management by walking around, walk around, see what's happening, chat to people. It might be informal. You learn all kinds of stuff that they will never send to you in an email by being on the floor. Yeah. You know, so don't, that is also a communication channel. Yeah. And a communication tool. So don't overlook that kind of yeah. stuff too. Well, I think, you know, that the key is to see communication not as a 
a literal mechanism, but it's also about seeing it as a relationship builder, as building trust, as building integrity. One of the things I think that can sometimes get in the way, especially when there are too many people involved in the leader's communication, so you've got the comms team, you've got the Uh HR team, you've got everybody involved, and so everybody's scripted, and so the leader can be scripted to an inch of their lives. Sounds like a robot. And I think sometimes leaders get so worried about saying the wrong thing Mm. that they end up not saying anything. Mm. And that is what causes frustration with employees, you know. So even if you were to say, I honestly don't know or I can't do that, this is why. But I think that there is a, in an attempt not to say the wrong thing, we try and send a spin of a, the most positive angle that we can make it, right. but, but people no aren't stupid. It. No one BS meters are well tuned. Right. That's right. So I think that part of it is, you know, in communicating down, leaders have got an opportunity to be authentic, bring something of themselves mm. into it, which is what people are looking for often. Mm, mm, I like that. You know, like call a spade a spade. Like if you know whatever the situation is, especially when we all know it. Like, yeah. <laughs> don't try and like pull the wall over because it won't work. Yeah, won't work. So I love that. So it's getting out there. You know, I often talk about leaders or I ask the question, you know, is information around here, is it open by default or closed by default? Yeah. Because there's a lot of organizations where it's kind of closed by default. Like we don't share stuff. Need to know. It's a need to know basis. So information's power. Because information's kind of power. Whereas I would encourage people that the default is open and look, sure, I understand some things need to be closed, right? But otherwise it's open. So anyone can read the minutes or whatever. We put it out there because what's the message? You know, if it's closed by default, yeah, it's, it's reinforcing a power difference and, and all this kind of stuff. And, and I equally think, I mean, a lot of, you know, there was a lot around for sort of transparency, you know, and some organizations have experimented with complete transparency. I don't know if that works all the time mm. either because I mm. think that sometimes there's a lot of context yep. and not everybody has the context to be able to make sense out of what can be quite complex things. But I think it's about taking the time. And there are a lot of things that leaders can do. So, you know, we've talked about the fact that town halls became quite big, I think, during COVID because suddenly people could access their leaders at scale, you know, once upon a time when you waited to do something face-to-face. So I think you could do the town hall. I think sometimes for me, town halls are missed opportunities because they're one way. It's yeah. um, state of the nation, let me tell you, and there's a lot of effort that goes into preparing the decks and, you know, what the leader's going to say, positions. But there's never any checking back. So there's questions, but usually there's very little time for questions. Yeah. Or whereas I think you could do a lot more with it, which is communication for learning, our third one. If you allowed people to have some small groups where they can talk about what was talked about or presented to them and then come up with a set of questions, you know. Mm. So I think that you can do it through town hall. What were you going to say, Dom? No, I, I, I like that actually because what I was going to say is it's an, it's an interesting opportunity to test your upward communication as far as forthright or sensitive. Yeah, yeah. Do people <laughs> speak up during the town hall yeah. and actually ask a question? Because often you'll see it where it's dead silence. No one says a thing, yeah. you know, and so there's something culturally that's holding them back from, yeah. from saying it. Yeah. I kind of like the idea, I, I hadn't thought of that one, of splitting into groups, have a discussion, come back with your questions, because 
Or you could even stay in the room. Or yeah, if yeah. you're on virtually, you just put people in small Break groups. But it kind of depends on the purpose of the town hall. And I think you can mix the purpose up, right? You can do some where you just want to broadcast. There are things that informations and facts that you've got to get across and all you've got time left for is question time, okay? But there are other times where I think, and one of the things that we measure is called communication for learning, which isn't just about provision of information. It's about communicating the big picture. It's about creating a kind of collective view and encouraging people to have discussion around it. So generating discussion, getting people to think about it sort of collectively. Uh So I think with the town hall, you could do all three of these quite effectively and efficiently because you're communicating down, you're encouraging people to communicate up and you're doing it by getting them to speak, you know, have discussion and to learn and to gather insight rather than just be functional in Mm. the communication. Mm. Well, I think that's a big thing, you know, like it's, it's tailoring the communication, pitching it for the right level by who's saying it. So the CEO, for example, coming out, we want to be talking more whole of business because yeah. that's what they're responsible for is the whole yeah. of business. So talk about that level rather than this department, that department, that department. Because the message we send when we start doing that is it's not about the whole picture. It's about individual department performance. And so we start reinforcing silos because, yeah. hey, ops have this performance, sales have that performance, they have this performance. So everyone's like, okay, well, what matters is our specific number because that's what's getting called out by the ceo and so keep it to whole of business here's how we're performing as a business now we need to have those conversations about how the department's performing at the department level yeah yeah and so trust your executive team essentially to have that conversation and then and then even under that is the team or you know however many levels there are the team conversation under that to context it you know so hey here's this change in strategy yeah Here's what it means for the whole organization. But then there's a follow-on of here's what it means for our department, here's what it means for our team at those different levels of leadership. So context it down. Because I, I love this one, you know, communication for learning is what do we talk about? Yeah. Because to your point earlier, there might be a lot of communication, but is it one way, hey, here's what's been decided, ABC, or is it a conversation? We want people thinking. Yeah. Right, we want people thinking. And it was interesting in that example I gave where they'd just been through a workplace change, they didn't need more information. So the what problem are we solving? Mm. Okay, so one way of solving the problem is we've got to have a calendar of town halls and we've got to give them information. Well, you've already given them a lot of information. Mm. So is that actually the problem that we're solving? Mm. No, it wasn't the problem we were solving. The problem that we're solving is that they're not buying in. Right. Okay, that you is just need to communicate harder. That's right. It's the equivalent of talking louder, right. you know, for somebody who's who <laughs> can't hear very well or speaks a little bit. So, really, what they ended up doing was to explore, have much more of a communication for learning, where we showed them an image of change curve, and we got people to plot themselves on it, so they could explore and communicate what was happening for them emotionally Mm. after a structural change. Mm. It wasn't that they didn't buy in it and it wasn't that they bought into it. It's just that they were still in the processing. Right. You know, and so a calendar of town hall is not going to fix that. Mm. What you needed to do was hit the pause button and help them work through it and Mm. acknowledge it. Mm. I get it. We Mm. see it. Mm. We see, ah, okay, 
we understand now. Mm. So I think when you're communicating, put a little bit more thought into why are you communicating and you've got lots of different channels, the town hall, the one-on-one, the team meetings. Skip-level interviews are a great way of doing downward and upward in the one Mm -hmm. shot. Mm -hmm. So my boss talks to my people one-on-one. I talk to my direct reports people and it's around how are things going, you know, what are the things that are doing that are working well, what are the things that we can work on. So there are different mechanisms for having really great conversations. Yeah, and the, the other part of upward communication that we kind of skipped was that when information is passed up the chain, that it's actually understood, acknowledged and acted upon. Yes. Right? So rather than Hey, I sent something up and it went down a yes, black hole and we never yes, heard about it again. Yes. It's back to that integrity piece. Yeah. So, hey, when people communicate stuff up, then communicate back down the key conclusions, actions, yeah. insights, whatever and it is. We hear it a lot, Dom, don't we, when we're going to do some culture work. People say, we've done so many of these surveys over the years. I've right. never known what's been done with it. Right. And they get frustrated. They get frustrated. And fair enough. And sometimes we see that in organizations, people find that their leaders are approachable, they'll listen to me, but they just don't tell me what they've done. Right. Yeah, they don't follow through. And, and sometimes communicating back down might be a no. It might be a no, by the way. And I think people despair people's feelings or whatever. Hey, we just won't mention it and hope Corinne forgets about that. <laughs> but Corinne doesn't forget about that. Never. She will never forget about that. <laughs> and so if, even if it's a no, it's like, hey, Corinne, thanks for sharing that up. With this context, whatever it might be, you know, we've got limited budget or blah, 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 blah. We've made this decision or this trade-off, you know, and we can't do that this year. Whatever. But the point is closing the loop for people. So they're not sitting there like, well, that felt like it went nowhere. Because the, the message I get from that is it's a passive message. Yeah. Right? It doesn't matter. Right? And I think, too, it gives you the opportunity to teach people. So I think I'm going to listen to you and I'm going to hear you out. It doesn't mean that I'm not constructive if I don't agree or if I decide to make some other decision. So I think from an employee point of view, it's important to understand that I may not always get the answer that I want. The key thing is that I'm given the opportunity to express myself and express my opinion and I'm also given the opportunity to hear why the decision was made. And if I don't get my way, that doesn't make it unfair. It just means that right. there's a, other stuff. But I think unless you have that process happening, people don't get the opportunity to learn and develop that level of maturity because you keep them in a parent-child That's right. kind of relationship. That's right. We'll handle it from here. <laughs> Leave it with us. Leave it with the adults. You know, and just to, to add as well, like at the team leader level perhaps, you know, there's – your one-on-ones is a communication channel. Yeah. You know, that's an awesome thing to like be able to context someone's performance inside the greater yeah. organizational context. And, you know, so that's a communication channel. Daily kickoff meetings. Yeah. Know, I'm a fan of them. Tool, yeah. Huddles or, or toolbox tool meetings, whatever meetings, you want to call yeah. them. The catches. Yeah. You got to keep it short. Yeah. It's got to be 10, 15 minutes. Or even five to 10. Or even five minutes. Yeah. Better. The second, it starts going over and yep. it starts stretching and now we're hearing all about Corinne's weekend, right? People switch it's off all about and me. it's a waste of time. And then people are like, oh, my God, it's such a waste of time. Not again. So you've got yep. to be a bit disciplined and, hey, it's going to be 10 minutes. You know, it, the agenda is really 
what happened yesterday? What's happening today? Are there any? Is there any stocks that people need to yeah. help gain? And if it's not ten minutes, then it's a meeting. It's not and a if huddle. It's not ten minutes. It's a meeting. Yeah, and it's awesome for just getting people on the same page. You know, yeah. I think particularly any kind of thing that requires people interacting for sure. Job, it's awesome. You know, even like scoreboards. I'm a fan of scoreboards. Like a visual board, like a visual board, yeah. visual management system, yeah. whatever you want to call it. So, which is just yeah, you know, what's on today? What's yeah? How are we tracking? How are we tracking? Which could be part of your daily huddle. And you I know. think that's great because it's transparency. It lets other teams know what we're up yeah. to as well. You know, like so I like it. You know, again, it's a discipline though because you can get hey, we're tracking fifty different metrics and da da da. It's too much. Yeah. You know, what are the four that matter? Yeah. And the the key points we're going to talk about. So you know, those are some tools at a, at a more local level. And even like I remember being in a marketing team and we just had really simple board on the wall. It was to do, doing, and done. You know, So to do was just post-it notes on the wall of ideas or things we wanted to do or whatever. To do was whatever we're currently working on and, and done was completed. But it was really useful because it allowed us to see, well, how much is in that doing column? Yeah. We've got 30 post-it notes in there, like that's crazy. Yeah. And and they're not progressing, by the way. That one's yeah. been there since April. Yeah. And so it's just useful communication of let's get the picture of what we're actually up to so we can have the facts to talk about it. Yeah. Also useful. You're giving me an idea, Dom. Also useful, the done column is, yeah. hey, look at all, at the end of the year, you know when you ask teams, hey, you know, what were your achievements of the year? And you can only think about what you've done the last two months. Yeah. Or at least that that's how my memory works anyway. But if you've collected it. It's like, wow, look at all of that up there. That's actually pretty awesome. Yeah. You know, what was so it? You can doing? To do, doing, to and do, done. To do, doing, and done. Okay. You know, and so, yeah, and then to do is, hey, we've got all these ideas. Awesome. We can capture them. Yeah. We heard you. Yeah. What's the next one we want to go with? Because we can't mm. do all 50 on that wall. Mm. You know? What's going to make the most difference, or what do you have a burning passion yep. for, or whatever, whatever. But having some visual stuff like that can just help. You know, it's it's like the old parking lot. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, it is. There was a lot of value in the old parking lot if you used it. If you come back to it, and mm. that's the key. You know, that's the key. So it's not just mm. it's not just a fob off of mm. great idea, Corinne. Let me put that on the parking lot, and <laughs> again, hope you never remember that you said that one. Falls off the agenda mysteriously. Agenda. What happened to it? No, I think that's a. It's a great idea and I think that that's why something like scrums and agile works so well. Uh, you got your backlog and then you're working through it and mm. it's a very active process and everybody's part of it, but it's creating that common language, the common shared meaning and as well as a sense of achievement, you know, mm. like huddles in the morning or toolbox talks, whatever, daily kickoff, they're a great way of building achievement orientation and organisation. Mm-hmm. Because as you said, it's about what's happening today, what do we need to look at, is there anything that you're stuck on? And so I think when they work well and they keep to 10 minutes, they're great. They're awesome. I, like there's an example from Shape Group. So Oh, yeah. Doing fit outs. Yep. And they have a lot of subcontractors. Yep. Right? So sparkies and plumbers and tilers and, you know, all sorts of things. And I think they had had a job that hadn't gone particularly well. Yeah. Right? And people were kind of at each other's throats a bit. and Blaming. Uh, there's a bit of blame, and I think it was because there's a lack of co- coordination. So the Sparky turns up to do the thing, but the Tyler's in there, so he can't get access. And yep. then they started like sending this is the con- subcontractors start sending each other bills for their time because I wasn't able to access yep. it. So imagine, you know, how that went down. And instead, they got everyone together before a big job they were starting, 
you know, got everyone on the same page. Hey, do, do we all want to make money? Like, yeah, we do. Is this helping us do that? No, it's mm. not. And they started a daily kickoff where the representative from the major trades would be there. Hey, this is the plan for the day. Hey, we've noticed there's a scheduling issue because the tilers and the electricians are showing up at the same time. Hey, can can you move into the afternoon and you do the morning or mm. whatever? Mm. So they just solved a whole lot of problems in, in those daily minutes. kickoffs. In 10 minutes, mm. they solved a whole lot of problems that otherwise blew out to hours mm. of arguing. Interesting. And so it can be a real time saver. Yeah. You know? Again, the key is the discipline of yeah. you've got to keep it to the point yeah. rather than waffling on and storytelling and yeah. whatever. Yeah. And I think something like huddles or kickoffs, you've got to stick with it. I think initially people think, oh, people didn't want to come. Nobody says anything, but it's a practice. Mm. And so, you know, especially if you're in a passive defensive culture, anything that you try that involves people sticking up, speaking up, may take a while because yep. you've got a passive defensive culture where people are used to not speaking up. Yep. So they can't just change that overnight. Yep. They have to believe that you're sincere. They have to believe that it's safe in order for them to speak up. Yeah. See our episode on the groan zone. I think it was probably <laughs> about eight ago by the time this episode comes out. But, yeah, on the groan zone of change, right? Yeah. Yep, totally. Any other additions, Corinne? I don't think so. I just sort of what strikes me as we're talking about it, I think while they've been separated into three things, a lot of these causal factors can be addressed by a few yeah, totally. well-placed things that people, organisations prepared to commit to. Mm. And I think like the closing thought for me, it's not just about doing more town halls or something like increasing the frequency. There's nothing wrong with that stuff mm -hmm. and, and that's awesome, but it's about the quality of them. Mm. You know, what's the conversation we're having? The other thing, just before you go into rap mode, Dom, it, Dom, it just occurred to me that it's not only what about what you do say, it's about what you're not doing and what you're not saying. They're all communicating. So, for example, if you listen to someone who's got an issue, that communicates willingness to take time, humanistic encouraging and, you know, and listening and it can engender trust. But you undo all that if you don't circle back and uh -huh. let them. So there's no action in the lack of follow-through. It's just what didn't happen. So I think communication is about creating meaning and shared understanding and developing trust but it's not just through what you do say and do it's also through what you've not done right you know lack of action yeah lack of attention yeah 100 percent. yeah we've got to follow through yeah on the insight not just okay i've received it <laughs> it doesn't help anyone awesome thank you very much corinne i hope that helps our listener out there who might be working on on these ones and their team or their organization go well Thanks, Dom. See you soon. Before we go, we just had our 25th Culture and Leadership Conference in Sydney and Melbourne. Now, I know not everyone was able to go, so we do have video recordings of the conference presentations that will be up on our website. So check there. I'll also put a link in the show notes as soon as it's available. So check the description of this podcast as well. Thanks for listening to this episode of Culture Bites. If you enjoy the show, remember to subscribe on iTunes, Stitcher, SoundCloud, or wherever you get your podcasts. Also, leave us a review. It helps other people to find the show. If you have a question you'd like us to answer, email podcast at human-synergistics.com.au. We'd love to answer it.
This podcast is copyrighted by Human Synergistics Australia, all rights reserved. To learn more about what we do, visit human-synergistics.com.au.